The Power 40 podcast is an uplifting faith-based podcast that speaks to all that is going on in our world. Our goal is to share inspirational real life stories and experiences from notable guests around the country on matters that touch us all. The number 40 symbolizes a period of testing, trial, or probation. We all experience trying times in our lives, but it's what comes from these times that make us who we are. As we depict periods of people's lives where the idea of the number 40 is played out, we will learn the goodness that comes from perseverance, determination, and belief. I'm your host, Danica Tramberg, joined today by a truly inspiring woman, someone who leads by faith, action, and never gives up. And as an accomplished woman earning her doctorate and pursuing her dreams and ultimately helping the next generation, I am proud to welcome Gretchen Jameson. Hi, Danica. Thanks so much for having me today. And let's, you're welcome. I'm, I'm so excited just to dive in. And I think I, I'm always so amazed by all that you've done in your life. So I, let's start by talking about education a little. Okay. I think your pursuit to continue learning is admirable, but this is sometimes can be a little daunting, I think, for some <laughs> people. I think of my life and I'm like, oh, you know, I got my degree and do I pursue further education? And I don't know. So just thinking about being in a school beyond the average time frame or obtaining, you know, further than a bachelor degree, what may, like motivated you to continue going? <laughs> that is such a great question. You know, it's it's a funny thing when you grow up the child of teachers. Both of my parents were teachers. You grow up with this really interesting um, hardwiring, hardwiring for learning, and and for me. Um, all of life is a classroom. All of life is learning. And so I just want to start there, right? Whether a person chooses to go back for a formal degree, I think is one thing, but there's certainly this approach to lifelong learning that happens wherever we are when we choose to just be curious each and every day, just to be curious about the world around us and where we find ourselves and what we can learn from others. For me, the decision to go back for my formal degree, it, honestly, it was something I always just really always wanted to do. I, I do love school and I love mm -hmm. learning. Um, and for me too, I had had the wonderful experience through most of my early elementary and secondary school experience, and even my bachelor's degree, my baccalaureate experience, that I was in a certain faith-based system. Mm -hmm. And so for my graduate work, I really wanted to be very intentional about going into other spaces and encountering other communities. And so first my master's work at Webster University in St. Louis, and then the very careful decision um, to pursue my doctorate at the University of Southern California. There were professors there that I wanted to study with. Um, but what I found also was a cohort of people who were so diverse and varied and different. Um, and that was really the best classroom was walking alongside that group of people. So I was motivated by my own internal kind of drive to do it. Um, there wasn't actually like a salary bump or anything like that in the career I was in. So it was just something I really wanted to do. And for me, it made sense. Um, but I guess I would just encourage anyone to say, you know, how can I learn and where can I learn? And maybe that's traditional education, but more than likely it's like right in your own backyard. Yes. I love that. I love to just your experience and going different places and meeting new people. And when it comes to maybe traditional versus non-traditional learning, what are some of the best ways that you've maybe seen in your life that you've learned things outside of the classroom? Mm, that is, I love that. 
You know, I um, started a I've started two book clubs in my in my life, and actually both times. Uh, first, when I lived in the St. Louis area, and then now living in the greater Milwaukee area, they have actually been book clubs where people actually read the books and actually, you know, <laughs> um, which is always a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in both of those cases, Danica, I intentionally selected women who represented across a cross section of my life. So women who were a part of my work life, who are part of my neighborhood um, and who are a part of, for me, my, my faith congregation where I'm a part of and brought those people together. And I learn constantly from those women as we read together. There's not really a better way to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as we read together, as we choose to do life together and kind of talk about not just surface things, but the group I'm in now, we've been meeting for six years. And so talk about things really underneath the surface and and what's really going on. So I would say for me, um, forging community and choosing to invite different people into the room and just invite them to do a little life together and see how that goes. I think that's a great way to, to learn. I think so too. And being around other women who are from different backgrounds or have different ways of thinking, uh, just really pushes you to grow in yourself too. Has there, there ever been like one woman that has drawn inspiration into your life? Oh my goodness. So probably many, you know, I'm sure. <laughs> there've been many, but I'm going to tell maybe a, a slightly unexpected story and only because it's, it's my grandmother, which is probably not unexpected. Many women draw inspiration from, from their grandmothers. Um, my grandmother, my paternal grandmother on my dad's side, um, was not, I actually dedicated my dissertation to her. Um, she was not a, a formally educated woman, you know, in, in kind of a robust sense. Um, she only ever wore homemade dresses. And I mean, she was a, she was a farm, a farm, a German farm woman. And my grandmother though, taught me um, tremendous lessons about how to um, see the dignity in every human, um, how to love people, how to live in hope and, and taught me from a very young age, modeled for me from a very young age, what it looks like to give a young woman meaningful tasks. She always had a task for me and it always was imbued with just really like meaning and purpose. Um, and, and so from, from her, I learned a great deal about what it really means to be a good human, um, Mm -hmm. and, and how to live well and how to love well and how to treat others, um, really the way we want to be treated. So I, I like to think that, that my grandma, Irene, um, was really probably one of the most influential women in my life. And there have been many really cool, cool, amazing, amazing women, um, mm-hmm. including yourself, Danica. Thank um, you. But it all starts with, I think, Grandma, Grandma Irene, for sure. That's so sweet. And it, what a cool thing to think about. I think the lessons that you can share now with your daughters, maybe you've learned from her and just kind of keep passing it on. Yeah, yeah. It is a neat thing when you have... Um, cause my girls will never know her, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and they often ask, you know, or they'll see pictures and they'll, you know, gosh, I wish we could have, and to try to carry those things forward. And, and my parents do that with the girls, my mom and my dad. Um, but it is when you start to think about the multi-generation and the richness that that brings and how to carry that forward, that's, it's really a pretty cool part of a family system. That is. And I have to imagine just 
you know, you are such a well-rounded woman, so much going for you, so much going on in your life too. I have to imagine even sometimes someone as fabulous as yourself (laughs) can be a little hard to generate self-motivation or discipline. And on hard days, what keeps you motivated or or what motivates you to even start your day? Mm. Well, you know, that is such a timely question because yesterday was a hard day for me. And so, you know, really hard day for a a lot of reasons, personal reasons and professional reasons. It's just, it seems like one of those days, you know, when there's Mm -hmm. like a thundercloud hanging over your head. Um, and, and I, as I fell asleep last night, I I did, I, I framed already today. I framed today. And I, you know, I said to myself, as I drifted off, you know, self, um, <laughs> we are going to wake up tomorrow mm-hmm. and it's going to be a brand new day. And we're going to put our feet on the floor and we're going to go learn something new. And we're going to think about someone else. I think for me, um, with as, as busy as I am, and we all are, you know, and mm-hmm. I think there is that temptation to wear that as a badge of honor, the stress that comes with these things, the expectations that we put on ourselves, um, or that are on us because of the roles we, we carry. I think for me, a way to flip that script a little bit is often to intentionally say, how can I focus on someone else? Um, make it about an, another person. And I've, I've found great success at, at that in my life, Danica, whether it has been professionally mm-hmm. or my own personal challenges, if I can take the focus from here and turn it out here, right? Because when we bring the focus in here, what do we instinctively do, right? We start to just like curl in on ourselves. Um, I have a very good friend, a female theologian out in California, and she writes about this idea of um, kind of what happens when we man turns in, right? And how we, or women turn in, we become very self-centered. And so Mm -hmm. when I'm stressed and need to be motivated, if I can make it about other people and force myself to do that, it changes my mindset. It gives me a fresh perspective and it often puts my own stresses into, into proper, proper place. I think, yes, being so intentional with those things and way of thinking is so important, but it does take discipline to (laughs) kind of rewire your brain for the day. And yes. get outside of your yourself. And I think that's very relatable to so many people. Yeah. You know, I think such a, a key piece is giving ourselves permission, right? Giving ourselves permission. Uh, my dad always would say to me, you know, Gretchen Marie, life will hopefully be really long, be really long for you. <laughs> and you're going to have these seasons, right? And to give yourself grace and to extend yourself permission to um, be real with yourself and authentic and, and, give yourself the grace that you need for the hills and valleys that are there. And, mm-hmm. and I think that is just, it's not easy to do. And anyone who tells you it is, is just not being straight with you. I wouldn't think, but um, to be authentic with self is huge, really, really key. Speaking of hills and valleys and just kind of seasons of life and finding strength and, and discipline and motivation to get through those valleys in life. I know you're a breast cancer survivor. I am. Can you share a little <laughs> bit about that journey? Cause that's incredible. I think that it's so relevant. I think it affects so many women and, um, seeing someone like yourself overcoming such an obstacle in life and, and doing so much good. Well, let me start with saying any women listening and actually any men listening for the women in your lives, go get your annual scans, right? That is just, I, that is what I preach. Mm -hmm. And I was actually very public and very open about my journey with breast cancer for a number of reasons. I have always been a storyteller. And so it gave me solace 
to tell my story and to document it through social media. Um, but more than that, it was a way for me to actually um, invest in other people by telling my story and giving them permission to tell theirs and maybe encouraging them in their journey and also encouraging them to, to get those, those checkups. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was a blind side, Danica. I mean, to be, you know, 45 years old and, and it doesn't run in the family. And I mean, all the things that you kind of, um, would, would wonder about, it was yeah. a complete blind side and it really, all the things folks tell you, right. Changes priority changes perspective. Mm-hmm. It's actually when I applied for my doctoral program was wow. in the middle of my breast cancer recovery, but I figured why not? What else am I going to do? I'm trapped in bed. Um, here's the thing. As I said earlier, choosing to make it about others, that became um, really important to me in my journey. And and I genuinely um, grew close to my surgeon, who actually um, I invited to book club, Um, (laughs) my my surgeon, my amazing team of of doctors and, and specialists, but especially my nurses and my lab technicians, you know, and when you go through 48 straight days of, of therapy, you get to know the people that you're with. And, and I intentionally was at a, a city-based hospital. It was convenient because I, I kept working through my, my treatments. Um, and so I would swing through downtown on my way home and I would have my treatments. And I got to know people, Danica, who I would have had no reason as, as a you know suburban mom in Milwaukee mm-hmm. um, to interact with. And we really created a certain family for those 48 days. And it really changed. It lifted my, my eyes. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, scripture tells us when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Not if you pass through the waters, but when you pass through, you will get through it. And, and whether that was going to be my home going to, for me again, as a woman of faith, um, whether that was going to be my big homecoming or not, um, I was going to get through it. And so I might as well consider the individuals that had been put in my path during the journey. Um, and I don't believe that was by chance. And so that for me was key to my recovery. It was key mm-hmm. to my strength through uh, the entire process. And I, I'm very blessed. I'm, I'm five years, you know, clean of cancer, no evidence of disease. There are so many, so many women for whom that isn't the end of their story. And so um, I don't take that lightly. Um, And I often say, okay, you know, Lord, what, what, what's next then? You Mm -hmm. clearly aren't done with me yet. There must be something else I meant to be doing. So (laughs) yeah. Yes. And then like, aside from just like getting through it and the people you met and the relationships you built and, and all of that, how or what do you think your mindset shifted or did your life shift? And you said you started your doctoral program, but, you know, did that event in your life cause shift in other areas of your life? And what did that look like? Mm, that is, yeah. I mean, the, the answer is, is, is almost a, incomprehensible. Yes. Because like everything, um, everything does change when, when you really, and and here's the thing, (laughs) one very good friend said, you know, Gretchen, we're, we're all terminal. It's just, right. Mm -hmm. You have a hunch what might get you. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's a good point. Um, you know, we live every day under the kind of 
sort of putting that over here, that that's mm-hmm. part of being human is, is dying. We don't talk about that, but to, to sit up late at night and alone, I would sometimes be up late at night and you would come face to face with that reality. Um, it, it really, it reframes how you prioritize things in particular. I've long prided myself on my capacity to do a lot of things, um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily multitasking because that's not actually healthy mentally, but to be be doing a lot of things and living a lot of vocations simultaneously Mm -hmm. and, and frankly, haven't always made the best choices. You know, I, for example, my, my now teenage daughter, I worked every day of my maternity leave with her. Danica, if I could go back and redo one thing differently, that would be it. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and it was for a number of reasons, um, mostly self-inflicted. So for me, what cancer gave me the chance to do was to take stock. And I'm blessed with a really phenomenal spouse and he is just an incredible, incredible human. And we were able to spend a lot of time thinking about what is the mission of our family? What Mm -hmm. do we want that to look like? What would it look like if if I weren't here, we would have those hard conversations, but to reprioritize um, how we choose to spend our days, um, which might seem like the obvious answer, but it's not easy work. Yeah. I even get confused when I should prioritize in a day sometimes. <laughs> so uh, I, yeah. I can't imagine the shift in mindset that that created. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and speaking just to of, um, you know, how, how your family structure looks like and, you know, all these things, I think you take such a shift off, like you said, working during maternity leave, like such a shift off that's normal, what is kind of expected or what is kind of like put as a badge of honor in like our very hustle bustle American society. Mm -hmm. And so I have a question for you. It would be, what does success look like to you? Because I think that word people think of, you know, they're rich or they have the best job and they do this, they have a family, they have kids, whatever that is. But for you, how would you define success? Mm. You know, I, I think, um, one of the things that becomes interesting as you, as you age, and I'm closing in on that half century mark, (laughs) which is like kind of cool, actually. Um, you, you think about, about that question and you answer it differently. Mm-hmm. you know, and I actually, I think that's okay. You begin to um, think about the identity you've built and, and the hard work you've done to curate reputation and to achieve, you know, a level of, of, I guess we would say cultural success as culture would define it. And you get to this point in your life. And, and I don't know that it really is dependent on age. I think it's just a, a mindset shift that you begin to think, okay, I've got the vessel and I've Mm -hmm. built the vessel. Now, what am I supposed to do with it? What am I supposed to fill it? You know, I spent the first part of your life kind of filling it up and now how do I pour it forth? And so I I think as I get ready for that own crossing over in my half century mark, I do think about a lot. And this is actually drawn from a wonderful book I highly recommend, which is Falling Upward, um, written by a Franciscan priest um, named Richard Rohr. And he talks about how we, we then make this choice in life to decide what to do with the identity we've built. 
And so for me, success, Danica, really at this point in my life is, am I, am I living out the person that I have uniquely been created to be in a way that is bringing flourishing and life to others? And, and flourishing is really this, a person's capacity to reach the zenith, the high point of their possibility, not their potential. We often talk a lot about people's potential, yeah. but how do I help people reach the highest point of their possibilities? And again, I think naturally, so you spend a lot of your life focusing on that for self. Mm -hmm. I'm at a point now where for me, success is um, how well is the room after I leave? And, and have I helped people be a better version of themselves um, because I you know, was blessed to have a little bit of time with them? Right. Um, and whether that's my children, um, my neighborhood, my, my next door neighbors, my community, my work family, um, my congregation, whatever that might be, how can I be living into that? And if I'm doing that, that's successful. I love that. And it's making an impact and, mm -hmm. you know, then your success as you would call it is being spread amongst everyone that you touch and is leaving something behind. Um, right. and that's really what's important. Like we always talk about in like the Christian faith, like you're sprinkling seeds of God's word or, you know, something like that. And so you're giving people also that opportunity for them to believe in themselves, which is really neat. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of those things and it's, it's a little uncomfortable because you begin to realize when you think about the mission of, of your life and, and when the mission of your life becomes other focused, mm -hmm. um, you then realize like, oh, I don't even really control the mission of my life because the yeah. mission of my life actually isn't fulfilled unless and until that person goes and does their mission. Mm -hmm. And so you, you just, and I guess it's sort of freeing too, because you realize, oh, we don't have as much control as we, we want to think we do. Um, right. And, and that is really, I think key um, to figuring out success. And, and, and the other piece is this, I'll tell you, um, young people I've been blessed to mentor and work with in my life um, who have had all of them, tremendous ambitions and goals. We always talk about if doing that is going to bring you true joy, I mean, really a sense of contentment and peace, a sense of abundance and flourishing, whether or not anyone ever applauds you or not, mm -hmm. you might be onto something, right? Again, finding that idea of who, who does who does my creator say I am uh, for those of us in the Christian faith? And then who do, who do I say I am? And, mm -hmm. and that's... That's a lifetime of work. I still have to work on that every day, right? I mean, that's yes. a lifetime of work um, to come to that place. I love that. And as we close out today and just reflect on the power 40 in our lives, maybe the trials we're going through or have overcome, we understand that in life, we will continue to experience the good and bad life throws our way. And 40 also seems to be significant in regards to time like Jesus spending 40 days and 40 nights fasting in the wilderness by the devil, the great flood lasting 40 days and 40 nights, the Jewish people wandering the desert for 40 years. Gretchen, if you had just 40 minutes to impact the world, where would you start and what would you say? Mm. You know, Danica there, oh, 40 minutes. <laughs> I, I do believe um, that I would likely start with those who have tremendous influence over uh, young people. 
And where I'd be tempted to say, I'm going to just spend it with the young people. Mm-hmm. I think if I only had 40 minutes, <laughs> I would really seek to impress upon those who would remain after I was gone, after my 40 minutes, after I, <laughs> um, that they understand the weight of their task and the critical need that there is for them to sow into young people, um, be they children, be they teens, um, and to really pay attention. You know, I, I read an article once that said, the three most important minutes you spend in any day with your child are the first three minutes when they wake up and that you're making eye contact with them. Um, and so that that need to let children and young people know that they have a future, they have mm-hmm. dignity, they have worth, and to help them unlock their possibilities, I think that's the most important work in the world. And so I think I would want to speak to those people if I only had 40 minutes. That I love that. And it reminds me of that one verse, verse in the Bible, and I, it escapes me where it comes from, but it talks about to whom much is given, much is expected. And I think that's so important. And allowing younger people to understand that they have that impact on others and they really should be doing something with it is important. 100%. Awesome. Well, I really enjoyed having you on today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'll come back anytime. This was lovely. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. For more information on the Power 40 podcast, visit powerofhumans.com. Also stream the podcast on your preferred streaming service.